But um, Terry, I just, yeah, we, you've become such an amazing friend of ours and uh, such a gift to us. Every year, sort of around February for the last couple of years, we've had this amazing moment where I find myself going, Terry's coming, I can't wait to have him. And um, I had this thought this morning, I, I think of people as they uh, kind of get into their veteran years of leadership, and, and many people tend to, well, I, I've watched, tend to sort of get from being on the chessboard to sort of moving the pieces and becoming the, the strategic experts. And what I've watched of your life is you've stayed so on the board. You've living the life of Jesus. And, and as you know, I've had some chats with Terry this week. We're in a series called The Way of Jesus. And just looking at the nitty gritty, not sort of from a distance going, what would it be like to live the, the Jesus way? But what is it to live the Jesus way? And um, Terry, you're one of the men, honestly, without trying to flatter you, that I want to honor you publicly, that you live the Jesus way, um, and you've done it so well, so faithfully for so long, and no doubt it would be tempting in the later years to go, I've, I've paid my dues, and yet I still see you loving people, praying for the sick, doing everything you believed was valuable many, many years, decades ago when you started the NF movement all those years ago. So, so grateful for your faithfulness, and so grateful that you're here with us, so Thank you, and over to you. Thank you so much. Cool. Thank you so much. Would you come with me and introduce me wherever I go? <laughs> <laughs> Even at home, over lunch, it'd <laughs> be good. <laughs> it's great to be with you again. Real joy being with you last year. I remember we preached on the grace of God and uh, uh, had a super time with you. It's lovely meeting with you and being part of your family. And uh, thrilling to hear you're looking at the life of Jesus. What more wonderful thing can you look at? And yes, I was asked by Roger, would you, on this morning, uh, focus particularly on the fact that he healed the sick and that aspect of his life and ministry, which I'd be delighted to do. So let's ask God to help us, and uh, we'll get into that. Father, thank you so much for your love for us. We love these great songs we've been singing, but how great and worthy and altogether other and holy and awesome. <laughs> You're great, Lord. You're amazing. And Father, we love you. We're so glad we know you. Thank you for opening our blind eyes to know God. And we pray, Father, now for the help of the Holy Spirit. Come, come Holy Spirit. Come and be our teacher. Come rest upon us. Let us hear your voice let us know we're hearing you. Let faith quicken in our hearts. The excitement of being in close fellowship with God together. We ask it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, healing's a complicated subject. It's, uh, I found anyway, in my journey, it's complicated. For myself, I was converted out of a completely non-Christian background. My parents were not Christians. And I'd never seen a Bible in my home. We didn't pray or anything of that sort. And then I was led to Christ and joined a nearby uh, Baptist church, which was a delight to join. A wonderful pastor, terrific Bible teacher. And then later, out of my longing to serve God and my sense of, to be honest, total inadequacy and longing to be more effective, I sought uh, to find more of the presence of the Spirit. And uh, in God's mercy, uh, was led uh, to be prayed for, and the Holy Spirit came in a new and fresh way, as it was He was in so many people's lives in those years, that the Holy Spirit movement, which was awakening us 
And I was in my early 20s, I guess I was about 22, when I got filled with the Holy Spirit and the young people in this Baptist church, we, we started laying hands on one another and the whole group of us got filled with the Holy Spirit and a new evangelistic zeal kind of captivated us and out we went onto the streets. Uh, it couldn't be contained and so yes, let's go. And I lived in a town called Brighton uh, on the south coast of England, a seaside town and uh, we used to go out on Sunday afternoons uh, to the heart of Brighton where Yes, on a Sunday afternoon, literally thousands of people would walk up and down. When the sun came out, I mean, when the sun came out, yeah, it came out occasionally. And uh, when it came on a Sunday afternoon, thousands would pour out and walk along the street. So it was a great place uh, to preach. And uh, I'd stand on a box and preach. And there was an upper gallery and a lower crowd, two promenades. And uh, girls would sing with their guitars and we'd preach. It was tremendous fun. And I remember quite early on in doing this, this was all new to us, the Holy Spirit's presence. Things that we thought from, to be honest, my Baptist days, that's long over, that's finished, all that's over. And suddenly, hey, maybe it's not. Maybe, maybe God is away, with us in a way we hadn't realized. And uh, I remember once my, my friend was preaching. It was his turn. You know, we were total amateurs. We got on the box and talked about Jesus. And, uh, and my friend was doing it. Uh, and he, he stood on the box and he said, part of the things he said, he said, if any of you wants healing, Jesus will heal you. Come down and you'll be healed. And I thought, I thought, will he? he said, what are you saying? We hadn't checked that out. I mean, that was kind of daring. And uh, someone from the top balcony shouted to my friend Keith, if he can heal, what are you wearing glasses for? Take your glasses off. And, and it was almost like someone took a spear and threw it through his chest. He went, <gasps> and uh, uh, from a few weeks afterwards, I had the terror of being driven by Keith in his car without glasses. <laughs> and I'd be praying, God, help him. And, uh, you know, it's complicated, eh? Healing is complicated. It's difficult. And to be honest, I'd make a joke, but it can be much more serious. I remember one of my early times of praying, I was with a dear friend at his home, and they had a little girl who actually lived only 13 weeks, and she was terribly ill from the beginning. And one day, uh, his wife brought the little girl into the room we were praying together in. And she said, oh, please pray for Christina. She's She's just so terrible today. And we, we laid hands on Christina. And when I closed my eyes to pray, she was blue. I mean, just horrible color. And then when I opened my eyes at the end of the prayer, she was pink. I thought, wow, Christina's healed. I went home to my unsaved parents. I said, Christina's been healed. We prayed for her. A week later, she died. And I thought, I'll never go near that again. I'll be a Christian but I don't want to know. That's, that's terrible. I can't handle that anymore. So I backed off the whole subject because it's complicated, it's painful, it's difficult, it's hard to understand. And so, yeah, we need to come to our Bibles. We need to come to see what it says because I too believe that God will heal people here this morning. And it says in uh, Galatians chapter 3, how, how, how did this all work? He said, well, through the hearing of faith. Through the hearing of faith, Galatians 3, miracles happened among you. Through hearing with faith. I, I, I prayed for a lady, uh, very unusual for me. She'd been 21 years in a wheelchair. 
And I'm praying for people, and that's the last thing I want to see, someone being brought forward with a wheelchair. And uh, she said, would you pray for me? I thought, oh, oh grief. So I prayed for her. And uh, I then went to the next person quite quickly. And to my amazement, she stood up. And I looked at her utterly shocked. And she said to me, while you were preaching, you kept looking at me, which I didn't. I didn't even know she was in the meeting. While they were preaching, you kept looking at me. And then she said, after you prayed for me, Jesus said to me, stand up. So I did. And she'd not been out of her wheelchair for 21 years. And so I was utterly amazed, utterly amazed. And the next morning, this was on a Saturday night, on a Sunday morning we're at church, and she's sitting in the row. And Andrew Davis, the pastor, said to all the people, I expect you're wondering, why is Peggy sitting in the row? And people kind of looked around, maybe hadn't even noticed. He said, Peggy, come and tell her. And Peggy walked down the aisle, and there's kind of shock going, ripples of shock going through. And the first thing she said was, she stood here, she said, Andrew, I didn't realize how short you are. <laughs> <laughs> so we see God do things. That for myself, I think, I'm not quite sure how, why, what, but I do see that Jesus healed the sick. That's what we see in the Bible. He went about doing good, we're told in Acts chapter 10. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. It's part of what he did. It's part of the gospel of the kingdom. It's part of the ministry of Christ. In fact, uh, uh, we were looking the other evening at the, this television thing called Chosen, which I've not seen much in the UK. I know it's available, but we're, we're, we saw, saw some of it. And you just see what must have been such a, a frequent scene. Jesus surrounded by a group of people, and he's kind of healing some people. And the excitement, the sense of fun and joy and delight is manifest. And I thought, well, they produced that well. I got my mixed feelings about some of the things Jesus said, but never mind. Uh, that's chosen. That's not Jesus. So, uh, uh, I, you know, I thought that's what it must have been like, that excitement, that sense of... And if you look at the Gospels, it's like Jesus is either healing someone or he's going to heal someone or he's just come back from healing someone. And it's interesting that we tend to overlook that. We tend, as an evangelical, uh, you, you tend to think the Gospel... And in, in Romans chapter 1, the gospel is introduced. Jesus is the, the one who promotes the gospel. And then we go quickly to verse 16. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes. It's like, it's a gospel of salvation for believers. It's for us to know we're born again. It, that's the gospel. But actually, the opening verses of Romans 1, Paul says, I'm a bondservant of Christ, called to an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, the good news of God, which he promised beforehand through the prophets and the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, born of the descendants of David, according to the flesh, declared son of God with power through the resurrection from the dead. That's the gospel. The son of God declared with power. That's the gospel. Tom Wright, N.T. Wright, wrote a very fascinating book called When God Became King. When God Became King. And he says this, that even in our creed, if you know the creed, if you're from the, that kind of background at all, some Church of England people say the creed every week, he was born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, crucified, and so on. Born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate. That's the creed. 
we go from his birth to his death in one sentence. And he said, what about all that went in between? Born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate. And then he said, when the Reformation came, it even underlined even more about the death and cross. But he said, what about this born to be king? Born to reign as upper kingdom. Born to display the power of God. Born to bring in the reign of Christ. Born to do an amazing thing in the midst of darkness. Great light shone. He didn't born, wasn't born only to die. Thank God he did come to die and take away our sin. Thank God for that. But he said, no, no, he came to establish a reign, much of which was demonstrated by his power to heal sick people, to change their lives, to turn them around. Last uh, two weeks ago, we were at a meeting in London uh, led by a dear Nigerian friend of mine, church, big church. About a thousand were there in the meeting, and uh, there was an Indian evangelist uh, present. And, and he preached the gospel, but he also prayed for the sick, as he often, often does. And about 60 people were remarkably healed in that meeting. I've never seen quite so many people healed in one meeting. Jesus, Jesus came in the meeting. And, and this dear man's full of faith. He's a wonderful, loving man, full of tenderness, mercy, tender, gentle guy, but full of faith and courage. And, and 60 people lined up in a, in a long, long line to come and testify what had happened to them. And I remember one lady, she said, well, I couldn't turn my neck before. She said, so I haven't been able to drive. And now I'm, I can. And I thought, how wonderful. Not only the pain's gone, now she can drive again. It's changed her life. And all of these dear 60 people could say, my life has changed. I can do what I couldn't do before. People were running up and down, lady holding crutches up over her head. Jesus was in the meeting. It was so glorifying to Jesus, so unusual to me, but something I'm trying to learn. So let's, with that kind of introduction, let's just remember some of the things we read in the Scriptures. So first of all, let's back up. God himself revealed himself as a God who heals. It's in the Old Testament, one of his names, I'm the Lord that heals you. It says in Genesis 4, it says, men began to call upon the name of the Lord. That's the first reference to prayer in the Bible. They began to call upon the name of the Lord. In other words, God has revealed himself. We don't, we're not discovering, we're not trying to have a mystical experience of God, at least I'm not as a Christian. I'm not trying to have a mystical experience of God. I want to know the God who has revealed himself through the Bible. We believe in a revealed religion. God has spoken. That's what it says in Hebrews. God has spoken. How can you know God? He's spoken. He's spoken. And in the Old Testament, one of his names is the Lord who heals you. That's one of his names. That's his identity. It's a name of God in the Bible. I am the Lord who heals you. And so they began to call upon the name of the Lord. That's who he is. It's not, we're, in the, we're not trying, hey, I've got a good idea, God. How about healing people? That's an idea. No, no, that's what my name is. That's who I am. That's what I do. That's my identity. And then it says in Psalm 103, Forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins, who heals all your diseases. So this, this Old Testament God said, this is who I am. This is in my nature. 
This is not something I'm reluctant to get involved in. This is not something you're trying to draw me into your problem world. This is who I am. This is what I'm like. I'm the God who heals. That's what the Bible is telling us. God who does that. And then we find throughout the Old Testament stories of people being healed. Abraham prays for the sick, they get healed. Elijah prays for the sick, they get healed. Elisha prays for the sick, they get healed. One time, the nation had sinned terribly, terribly. And it says God sent fiery serpents, in other words, snakes among them, and people are being bitten by snakes. A part of God's judgment of their gross sin, their gross disloyalty to him, snakes are sent in. And then God tells them, when they say, oh God, have mercy, have mercy. He says, make a bronze snake, put it on a stick, and hold it up. And whoever looks at that snake, that one you're holding up, will be healed. A, a great healing among many, many people. There were two million Israelites on the journey through the wilderness, two million. And many of them were sick. Now, hold up, hold up. Now, just, all you have to do is look at it, and you'll be healed. So healing didn't start with the coming of Jesus. Healing was happening. It was one of the ways God revealed himself. He's a merciful, powerful, kind God who heals people and even raised the dead in the Old Testament. And then we come to the arrival of the Lord Jesus. Luke chapter 4, when he begins, when he's uh, about 30 years of age, the Bible says, and the Spirit came upon him. And his first recorded sermon there in Luke's gospel in chapter 4, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me. He's equipped. He's empowered me. This coming upon of the Spirit, this is the messianic empowering. He's anointed me to bring sight to the blind, to bring healing. It's, it's like part of this whole message is that's what I'm here for. I'm bringing God's presence to you. God is spoken in a son, and here's this son amongst us. He's the exact image of the Father. He's the radiance of the Father's glory. The sun has burst through. The radiance, the sunbeam. He, yeah, you, no one can look at God, but can look at a sunbeam. Hebrews chapter 1. He's the radiance of the Father. He's come to us where we are. He's, we can't look, but he's come to us. He's the radiance of the Father. He's the exact image. Exact image of God. You know, you say, I wonder what God's like. We know exactly what he's like. Hey, beloved, that's such a privilege. People say, how can you know about God? I know about God. Jesus said this, he that has seen me has seen the Father. I'm his exact image. You think, what would be God's attitude to this? See it in Jesus. I know exactly. I know exactly the attitude of God. He's the exact image. The word image in Hebrews chapter 1 is the same as when Jesus said well, he was asked, do you, pay, do you pay taxes? And Jesus said, give me a coin. And someone puts a coin in his hand. He says, whose image is that? Same word, image. And they say, Caesar's. In other words, at one point, when that metal was liquid and they put a stamp on it, that's exactly it. That, what there is exactly what was on the stamp. That's the exact image. Jesus is the exact image of the Father. Everything we see in him, his tenderness. When the disciples say, get these children out of here, Jesus says, bring them to me. Oh, that's interesting. They throw a woman caught in the act of adultery at his feet. 
What's going to happen? You see Jesus' attitude. You see his mercy. You see his, his word to go and don't sin again. Be freed. Don't sin again. You see his attitude to the Pharisees. You see him turning the tables over. I guess that night he said, sorry, Lord, I lost it today. No, he didn't. It's the exact revelation of God. Because in Malachi, last book of the Old Testament, God says, oh, that someone would shut the doors. I hate this mixed up worship. And the God who becomes flesh stands among them. He takes the tables, turns them out, drives the animals out. This, this, is, this isn't him losing it. This is him displaying God. We're so privileged, beloved. We know what God is like. He's the exact image. Philip, how long have you been with me? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You've seen the Father. And so Jesus comes healing the sick, displaying and demonstrating the Father. It says at one point, he climbed a mountain. 5,000 followed him. 5,000 men. It says in the text, plus women, plus children. D.A. Carson, a famous theologian, says probably 20,000 people. Probably 20,000. So 20,000 people on a mountain with him. And it says he taught them and he healed them. And they must have all slept. Next day, he teaches them some more and heals them. Third day, he teaches them some more. And it says he healed them all. 20,000 people. Not one sick person left. He healed them all. After that, he fed them as well. They wanted to make him king, but that's another story. But Jesus is there demonstrating what the Father is like. Some things about it. Sometimes he demonstrated a kind of confrontational attitude to sickness. All right? Sometimes. A confrontational attitude. What do I mean? Well, Luke 13, 16. Should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 years, be set free? Should she not be set free? Jesus initiated some healings. It wasn't always people coming to him. Sometimes it was people seeking him. But he initiated this. Should not this woman be freed? She's kind of, this, this is outrageous. Should she not be free? It happens that one of the, meet, the meeting we were at just two weeks ago, I guess it was, maybe three, in London, the woman came forward, absolutely bent over, and my Indian friend, Ram Babu, took her by the hand, and she just stood up, up, up. It was wonderful to watch. She just became totally upright. And we thought, oh, wow. Oh, wow. We've seen it like in the Bible. Jesus did it. Jesus just did it. And he took, he took the initiative. She shouldn't be like this. That was his attitude. She shouldn't be like this. He kind of declared war about her. He went about doing good and, de and declaring war on all who were oppressed of the devil. This woman, he perceived, was, per was in trouble, the devil. Satan has bound her. That's how he perceived it. And freed her. And she's upright. Wow. Jesus is remarkable. Eh? Wonderful. And then sometimes it says he demonstrated compassion, saw the crowd, Matthew 14, and had compassion on them and healed their sick. Had compassion. Mark 1, 41, moved with compassion, he touched the leper. 
compassion took over. Compassion is a powerful thing. In the New Testament, the word compassion is only associated with Jesus. Even when Paul talks about it, he talks about having the compassion of Christ, feeling it in your heart. I remember once when I used to work in London, secular job, a friend of mine was rushed off to hospital, and I remember going to see him, and uh, he was in a small ward with four people, except when I asked the people, where, where, where is this guy? And they told him, down there in that ward. And I went down there, and I looked in, and I, I saw the four beds. I looked at the four people, and I went back. I said, no, no, and I said the name again. I said, uh, he's not in there. They said, he is in there. And I said, I've just been there. He's not there. They said, no, no, he's in there. So I went back in again, and I, I realized that my dear friend, I hadn't recognized him. The guy I worked with, hadn't recognized him. And he was, he was in real trouble. And, and, and I remember he talks, he said, I can't sleep. And it, it, I, I, was, I don't remember ever in any other situation being so moved with compassion. And I remember going home that night. And I remember I was a very young Christian at the time. But I, I remember kneeling at my bedside. I said, Lord, please let him sleep tonight. I'll, I'll stay awake. But let him sleep. Please let him sleep. I was, I was overwhelmed with this guy's suffering. is so terrible. I couldn't recognize. He's my friend. I couldn't recognize him. And I just, I was moved with compassion. And it was foreign to me. I was a very shallow person. But I was moved. I couldn't. I, I said, I'll stay awake. And I prayed for a long time, stayed awake. And I, and I, felt, I felt there came a time when I felt God said, it's all right, you're heard. Uh, you're heard. And I, I slept the rest of the night. And he was healed. He got better. No, I turned the corner. But God did something wonderful. Moved with compassion as part of Jesus' ministry. It's not, I do this stuff, I'm powerful. It's moved. You know, people are backing off of lepers. You know, the leprosy was a frightening thing in those days. Very frightening. And people back off. They're ringing bells. I'm unclean. And it walks straight up to them. He's moved with compassion. If you're sick, he's moved with compassion. His heart is moved towards you. That's what the Bible says. These are some of the things the Bible says. He's moved in a kind of confrontational way. He's moved with compassion. And then we see this, that on the cross, and this is one of those difficult verses again. It says in Matthew 8, 16, he healed all in order that, that was what was spoken by Isaiah might be fulfilled. He himself took our infirmities and carried away our diseases. Now, some people want to interpret that. Hey, because he took it, you're healed. Just take it. Walk away with it. Name it. Claim it. It's yours. Now, I've personally struggled with that. I can't see that. that I don't feel easy with that. You know, we're all on the same plate. We'll have to find our way. I, want, I don't feel easy with that. I've seen people say, well, I'm healed, I'm healed. And I've asked, they've asked me after, would you pray for me? I thought you said you were healed. Yeah, well, yeah, but, you know, I've got it. I've claimed it. Now, I don't personally feel comfortable with that, but I do understand this, that all healing flows from the cross. It's because he took it all, as some of the songs we've sung this morning. Because that pure, holy, 
spotless one, whose sun, whose face shone like the sun. Two scriptures I was reading a couple of weeks ago came together for me. One was in the book of Revelation. It says, his face shone like the sun. His eyes burning flames. You think, whoa. And then my other reading, it says, they spat in his face. Wow, Jesus, you are amazing. You are amazing. That if we, could, if we could see you, like Isaiah, he said, I was dead. I'm a dead man. I saw the Lord. I'm finished. When John had this revelation, he said, I felt like man dead. And we spat in his face. Why? Because he took, he became sin for us. The Bible says God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. He's the offscouring. They spat in him. They despised him. And that's why we can be healed, beloved, because he took it. That's why we can be forgiven. He took my guilt. He suffered as though he was the biggest sinner the world ever knew. He was the personification of sin. On the cross, God made him who knew no sin. He was innocent, holy, spotless, innocent. He became, he was made, he was made. God made him to be sin, the personification of sin. Even God turned the face away. He's forsaken. He went out alone. He's the scapegoat. He took away our sin. You know that, what they did in the Old Testament? This, they took two, two animals. One they killed, and one they sent this goat out into the wilderness. Just, you're the scapegoat. You carry away our sin. Carry away our sin. We have our big youth program in the summer in England. 7,000 teenagers at what we call New Day. And this year we couldn't get a tent. But we still had it. And we had good weather, believe it or not, in England. And the guy preached on it, and he had two balloons. And he said, one goat they killed, and he stamped on it. And he said, the other one went out into the wilderness, and he let go of this balloon. And it just went off and off and off and off. Something he couldn't have done in a tent. It just went away, away. He took away. He took away. He took away your sin. He took away our sicknesses. He bore them. He... And that's where we do find healing. That's where healing must come from. It comes from the fact that even the lifting up of the serpent, there's a dealing with sin and thickness. That they're somehow bound together. And faith can arise there. I can't take that automatic thing that some people want to preach. He did it, so it's all right. I can't do that personally, but I can find, hey, I can find the healing there. I can find that's where he did it. I can reach to him for that, in that verse, in that promise. Sickness entered into the world through sin. That's how it came in. That's what it says. Jesus took our place. One or two more things, and we'll draw close. Faith is affirmed by Jesus. We read the story of the woman, and she says, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, she said to herself, the text says. It's like that's, that's where she's living. That's, that's what's in her. I, I just have this persuasion, she says. If I could just touch him, if I could just touch him, I'll be healed. That was what she was persuaded of. She's saying it to herself. That's where she's living. If I could just touch him. And we know the story. 
She's in the crowd, and he's being jostled, and everybody's touching him. It's like the disciples said, they're all over you. Come on. He said, someone touched me. No, they're all touching you. No, no, I felt power go out of me. That's what it says in the Bible. And this woman's saying, I know. I just know if I can touch him. And power went out of him. And he knew it. And then he turned to her, and in these extraordinary words, go. He says, your faith has made you well. Your faith. Your faith. It's interesting. Sometimes people say, in the gospel, no one preaches healing. And I can't find any, I can't find anywhere where the apostles preach healing. It doesn't say that they did. It does say in one place, Paul is preaching, and it says this, seeing the man had faith to be healed, he lifted him up. I wonder what Paul was preaching about. It doesn't say what he's preaching about, but he's preaching, and seeing the man had faith to be healed, I mean, was he preaching about tithing? What was he preaching about? I think he might have been preaching in a theme that stimulated faith. Seeing the man had faith to be healed, he got healed. And so Jesus says to this woman, hey, your faith has made you whole. So faith is commended. Faith is there. Jesus said to the ten lepers, go and show yourself to the priest. Go show yourself. And it says this, as they went on their way, they were made whole. In other words, if they said, hey, wait a minute, why should I? Look, I don't, I've got all this horrible stuff on me. He, says, as they, he said, go show yourself to the priest. As they went on their way. So there's a faith element. There's a faith element. It's interesting for me. I, 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 I was healed. You know, I told you about my dilemma that I'd seen disaster, so I don't want to go near that again. I, I really don't want to go there again. And then later on, some years later, I have terrible back pain. And I, I can't handle it. I just get up. I go to the doctor, and he sends me to the hospital, and they take x-rays, and, uh, and then they say, sorry, we, don't, we can't tell you what that is. We have no idea what it is. Um, <laughs> hilarious, really. After my sitting in this bench in the waiting room for ages, they said, one thing we'd say is, don't sit on hard things. I thought, thank you very much. Anyway, I went on my way, and then a friend said to me, come with me, I'll take you to an osteopath. And so I was taken to an osteopath and uh, told him my story of woe. And he put me on his bench and uh, laid me down and said to the one who took me, you tell him what's wrong with him. And they said, hey, I'm not a doctor. He said, what can you see? And he looked at me and said, well, one of his legs is longer than the other. He said, that's right. That's, he said, he gets pain here because his legs are, one leg is longer than the other. And I, I thought, okay. So I started going to him regularly for massage and manipulation. And, you know, he's pushing me around and I'm paying money and I'm not getting any better. So I stopped going. And then I'm in church one Sunday. I'm pastor by now. Years are slipping by. And we have this guy who's come to preach. And then he said at the end of his sermon, any of you get lower back pain? And I thought, yeah, I do. So some of us came forward 
and we all sat in the front row. And he said, some of you, it'll be because you've got one leg longer than the other. And I thought, that's what the osteopath said. So, okay. So, he then took my feet in his hands, and it was very visible, one leg's longer than the other. He prayed a short prayer, and my short leg grew, like that, straight away. And everyone looked on, wow, and all the pain went. I, I, I stood and watched a soccer game the next uh, Saturday. I mean, I couldn't stand for two hours. I mean, I stood for two hours. I watched no pain at all. I thought, wow, I've not had any pain since. It's been free. And he said to me, you pray for people. So I thought, me pray? He said, yeah, you pray. So I, I prayed, and I, I saw, whoa, that leg, leg grew. I said, wow, the pain's gone. And I, and I started praying for people like that quite a bit. And I saw lots of people healed. And I thought, wow, this is amazing. And I know it's quite exciting. It's just, whoa. Some people have no idea that they have one leg. I had no idea that I had one leg longer than the other. And lots of people don't have. Sometimes I pray for people that have got two inches different and they don't realize it. They've got pain in their back. And you pray, you see this leg. Sometimes it's like a centimeter. But it frees you. Mine was probably more like a centimeter. It's all over pain's gone. So I, I'm praying for people like that. And then because I'm often praying with people about their, their legs, I, and I do often, people start saying, I've got arthritis. I think, oh, don't do arthritis. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've been through that. I, think, I don't know where I am with that. And I, I started praying, Lord, help me with arthritis. I prayed about it. I actually said, Lord, give me authority over arthritis. Well, I thought, is that a Bible prayer? I don't know. I'm praying it. And I'm, and I'm praying for somebody with their leg and it grows. And then somebody else said, oh, I've got this arthritis. I thought, right, here we go. And I prayed against the arthritis. And I just put my hand there and I said, kick my hand. And she kicked my hand. And she said, wow, that didn't hurt. Then she did it again. Kick my hand. And she kicked it. Then she got up and went down on her horn. She said, it doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt. I thought, oh, wow. It's like caught another one. This is exciting. So whereas before... I was shut in. I didn't know what to do. And I, I would say this, because it's a difficult subject, I won't go there because for myself, I guess the way I'm built, I don't want to do it if I don't know it won't happen. I want to be an honest preacher. I don't want to say I'll pray for you unless I know you'll be healed. Now, when I pray for people with back pain, lower back pain, which I'm very happy to do when we finish, if you've got time and you'd like to be prayed for, I can virtually guarantee you will be healed. I, I, would, I would be shocked if you're not. All right, I've seen so many, so many, just one after another, boom, boom, boom. And, and I think, oh Lord, I, I know that will happen, but I'm a bit nervous to get into dimensions that I don't know about. But I found this, this is my experience, that as we pray for people and people start getting healed, you find people say, would you pray for this as well? Would you pray for this as well? So I prayed for a lady. She said, did you see me in the worship group? And I said, yeah, I guess I did. She said, did you notice I can only get my hands raised this high? And I said, no. She said, well, that's as far as I can get them. And she said, and that's as far back as, that's the range of my arm movement. Would you pray for me? So I said, of course I will. I put my hands on her shoulders and I prayed. I said, come on then, let's raise your hands. And she said, you know, she said, I live in a very restricted world. She said, uh, some friends of mine come in and shampoo my hair a couple of times a week. I can't do it anymore. I can't handle that. 
And anyway, she, I said, come on, let's pray. I prayed. I said, raise your hands. And she starts raising them. And she stops. She says, I'm scared. I said, come on, let's have another go. So she starts raising her hands, raising them, raising them. And they go up and up. And then tears start coming out here. Oh, my word. Oh, 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 oh. And then she held her hands behind her back. She said, I've not done this for years. And I thought, oh, Lord. It's like faith. There's a kind of a dynamic happening here. Faith is stirring. One lady came to me at the end of a prayer time. I'm praying for legs to grow. This lady said, I've got celiac disease. Would you pray for me? Now, I wouldn't have, I would have said no. I, I'm of a generation, I'm old. I'm of a generation that's not really comfortable with computers. You know, it's like computers. And uh, you ask your little children. It's hilarious to me now. My sons are now married with kids. I noticed them asking their kids. You, you show me. And I, I can't make this computer work. And I, and I, and I say to my kid, little boy, uh, will you, how does that work? So he walks in and he goes up to it and goes, uh, no, uh, uh, no, uh, does it about five times. No, no, um, oh, oh, that's how it works, Dad. I said, I could have done that. He said, you didn't. You didn't. I could have done, no, you didn't. I thought, that's right, I didn't. He's learned by doing it. And I, I feel God's pushing and saying, come on, learn by doing it. And so I, I prayed for this lady with celiac disease. And when I prayed for her, she said, I felt something lift off me. And she went straight to the cake and coffee table. <laughs> it was hilarious. And she took a donut and ate it. And I saw her when I went to that church again a few weeks later. And I have a hair, a whole appearance. She said, I'm completely different. But I don't go there. Jesus goes there. Jesus was in the meeting. Jesus is doing stuff. I must close. I realize I've gone on a bit. Jesus will heal the sick. He will work amongst us. Jesus said this, truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the things I do, he shall do also. Right? He that believes in me, things I do, he shall do also. That's a word from God. That's a word from God. He is committed to standing with us. He would love to touch us. He wants us to know him more and more. The God of the Old Testament says, look, that's who I am. I'm the Lord who heals. That's my identity. Don't forget. Forget not my benefits. I heal. That's what I do. It's part of who I am. Jesus came from the Father, went about doing good and healing. Healing. He's either going to a healing or he's healing, or he's coming back from a healing. You read the Gospels. It's all the time. It's all the time. He was born to be king, as Tom Wright puts it. It wasn't that he was born of Mary, virgin, crucified under Pontius Pilate, and nothing happened in between. He's the king. He's bringing in a kingdom, and the kingdom includes the manifestation of his power. He was anointed with power. He comes to do powerful things. He comes to heal the sick. And so this Jesus who's inviting us onto his way, this is part of the way, part of knowing him, part of experiencing him. When Peter 
healed the guy at the gate beautiful, they started turning to Peter. Because he said, look, I haven't got any money. Such as I have, I give you. And they, said, they began to come after Peter. He said, why are you looking at me? As though some holiness of mine produced it. Because we tend to think that if we're going to see power, we have to have some kind of qualification of holiness. We have to be special. But that's, again, that's not in the Bible. That's not in the Bible. A few weeks before this, Peter is cursing and swearing and saying, I don't know him. I'm not with him. I don't, I've never heard of him. Don't look at me. No, I'm not with him. A few weeks later, a few weeks later, a guy who's been a cripple for 40 years is running and leaping and praising. And Peter says, don't look at me, as though by my holiness is through faith in his name. It's through faith in his name. It's not me. That's what Peter says. That's a biblical principle. It's a biblical principle. It's through faith in the name of Jesus. So as part of your looking at this journey on this way, uh, Jesus heals the sick. That's part of the deal. He wants us to get to know him more and more. I feel I'm on a journey. I'm still learning, learning, learning. I've got a big L plate on, but I've seen a lot of people healed. And it's very exciting, very encouraging. And I'd like just to pray now. And if any of you would like uh, to be prayed for, particularly, can I put it simply this way? If you've got lower back pain, if you, if you know you get, you're just standing in a meeting, it's just hard work. It just starts aching, aching. Your lower back aches. I'd love to pray for you. I, be, I believe you will be healed. I believe you will be healed. And we'll just look and see if one leg is longer than the other. Then I'll take your feet in my hands. I promise not to pull anything. And we'll just watch. And we'll see these legs grow. And the power and presence of God will be amongst us. And then we'll see if he wants to do anything else as well. But I can say confidently, your back will be healed if you have that kind of problem. And if it's related to your, low, your leg being longer than the other, it will be healed. So let's just pray. Father, thank you for this lovely church. Thank you for the worship we've enjoyed, the sense of your presence, the wonderful words we've sung, and how worthy you are, how holy you are, how majestic, how wonderful it is to know you. Lord, we love gathering we love, Lord, just bringing our children. We love just facing up and saying, you're our God. We're here with God. We're privileged, Lord. We thank you for the privilege of knowing you. And Father, I ask you, would you own these words, stimulate faith? Would you heal people? Would you bless us? Lord, many of us have to go on our way. Would you bless us as we go? Give us a great week to glorify your name. May we know the presence of God in our homes, in our lives, in our workplace. In Jesus' name we pray it, Father. Amen. So the, I think the way we'll do it, thank you, Terry. I, I really appreciate, um, maybe you can just stay. I, I love, you, you did something for us that we need is to be pushed into the, into the discomfort, I suppose, of of a difficult topic where you, you don't have a, a framework. Hey, this, this one is watching and learning and growing together. And, um, and you've sparked our faith to, to keep going to the scriptures and to keep saying, Jesus, if you did it, I would like to, 
to continue to trust you that, that I too could participate in some way, shape, or form, but not to put it on the shelf and go, I want to keep in control of the stuff I can be in control of. And, and uh, I, I, I'm suggesting that we, we're going to sing together now, and um, Terry and, and, the, and a bunch of us will be up at the front, and whether you want to come while we're singing, or as we will just dismiss after the song, and uh, if you would like prayer, come up. We would love to pray and trust God. Terry gave a specific one. There may be some other things that you've got faith um, to, to be prayed for, and we would love to pray with you and for you, and, uh, and let's see what God does. We're in His hands. His love transcends His healing, but we trust Him to do that, and so thank you, Terry. So yeah. we sing first, right? Yeah. Let's stand.